0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship this morning, declaring his holiness, his greatness, his, the worthy one. And our response, bowing down before him, laying our crowns at his feet. One day, one day we will physically do that at the feet of the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords when he returns. And it will be our joy. This time, the children from age six... Or from kindergarten to sixth grade, sorry, would be dismissed for Children's Church. And uh, for everyone else, I invite you to open your Bible with me, if you have one, to the book of Mark, to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. So there's a, a large section uh, that this message will be on this morning on reawakening to the return of Christ. And uh, so... I, I want to read it for us, and then um, there's a couple of spots that we'll just jump over, but we want to get the sense of it, and then we'll we'll look through it together. As we talk about the return, or reawakening to the return of Christ's last message in the 40 days of prayer focus, uh, this morning's message outline has been provided to us by Yvonne Marti, and so as we've done these last five weeks, and now the sixth week, uh, we use that outline, we'll fill it in and make it personal for our church family together as the Lord would lead us. So uh, Mark chapter 13, I'll start in verse five. It says this, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say, whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Then verses 14 and on, wasn't going to read it, but let's just read it for the whole sake of the passage. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it, or some translations, he does not belong, let the reader understand that then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that... This will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. And even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation, or some translations will say this race, will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows, verse 32... That about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you, don't know, you do not know when the owner of the house will come back whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. And the Lord has blessing this morning to the reading of his word. So when I was six years old, I received Jesus as my savior God had been preparing my young heart at that point, preparing me to hear the good news uh, that I did not have to fear death because of Jesus. And he also used a very specific Sunday school lesson to share that good news with me. Um, I was at a point where I was really aware of death, but it was on that specific Sunday morning that my Sunday school teacher shared a story of a young boy And this young boy, his parents went away for the weekend for a trip, and his grandparents had come to watch him. Now, as his parents left, they instructed him that when they returned, he had to have his room cleaned. And so, predictably, this young boy, as the story was told, decided, I can wait I can wait to clean my room. And his grandparents kept reminding him, remember, as you're playing with things, clean up your room because your parents have said that you have to have your room cleaned before they come back. You need to be ready. I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. Get to it later. Get to it later. And as the story went on, the boy was in shock and despair when his parents walked in the door. And he was not ready. His room had yet to be cleaned. That climax of the story grabbed my attention because I had learned of the Lord enough. I knew the reality of my sin and my six-year-old state. And I knew the reality that if I had not received Jesus in my six-year-old state, that my eternal destiny was hell. And I knew that there was a time when Jesus was coming back. And I knew that I was not ready. This was the work of God in my life. and I give him glory and praise for it. And at six years old, in my home church in Warren, Ohio, I still remember the Sunday school room. I still remember the way the sun was shining in the window. I still remember my teacher leading us in an opportunity to receive Jesus as my savior. And I still can remember the peace that flooded my heart even as a six-year-old boy, knowing that I did not have to fear death anymore and knowing that when Jesus returned that I was ready. The believer's blessed hope in life and in death is the return of Christ. It's in that hope that we stand today, knowing that one day all will be made right. And knowing that we, when that happens, will be with the Lord forever. That's good news. And on this last day, last Sunday, preparing us for the next several days of the 40 days of prayer, reawakening to the return of Christ, we want to reawaken this morning And just rejoice in the hope, the blessed hope of our king, the one who is worthy to receive all blessing and honor and glory and praise that he is coming again and he will make all things right. And we will be with the Lord forever. The dwelling of God will be with men forever and ever. So may we be awakened and may we be watching this morning for his return. There's sermon notes in your bulletin with more fill-ins that you can put that'll be on the screen. So three lessons this morning. The first is this. We want to look at the signs of the end times, the signs of the end times. In the Alliance, we do believe that Jesus is our savior. We believe he's our sanctifier. He's the one who works out by the Spirit's work. Sanctification, we are holy in him, but he is making us holy in the way that we live each day. He's our healer. And he's our coming king. And so we celebrate that today. The signs of the end times in Mark chapter 13 from verses 6 through 13. There's a number of them that we see. There will be more that may be in other passages. We want to look at these this morning. The first is in these last days, there will be false Christs. There will be false Christs. Verses 5 and 6. It said, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. As we look forward to the return of Christ, there will be these false Christs that will come in the name of Jesus, and the reason that they come and the purpose that they come is they come to deceive. If you keep your finger in uh, Mark chapter 13 and just go back to Matthew chapter 7 for a few moments. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 23. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount how we would be able to recognize these false Christs, these false teachers, false prophets, he says in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, one, or the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Hard words from Jesus, but they're words of warning to us that help us to understand the character and how to be able to recognize these false Christs. Because there will be people who will prophesy, who will heal, who will deliver But their fruit ultimately does not bring lasting change. Their fruit in people does not bring lasting change. They, they, on the outside, may do good things, but their character is not the character of Christ. And ultimately, ultimately, they will not glorify Jesus. They will glorify self. Back in Mark chapter 13, Jesus says in verses 22 and on, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, even if it's possible. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. There will be those who will come in the name of Christ to deceive. And so we will see this in the last days. We will also, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Verses 7 and 8, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be, um, nation will rise against nation and, and kingdom against kingdom. Wars and rumors of wars. Since 1945 and in the invention of the atomic bomb, man has had that potential to destroy humanity. There are wars going on in Afghanistan and Ethiopia and Yemen Even in Ukraine, they've been fighting uh, amongst themselves. There have been 14,000 people that have died in Ukraine, in the eastern part of Ukraine, in skirmishes there since 2014. There's, There's wars that have been going on, fighting that has been going on in our world already. And then there's the rumors of war. You can't watch the news without knowing all the tensions that are going on with Russia and Ukraine and how Western powers and NATO and then China now getting... You have all of these players are involved. There's the wars and rumors of wars. But here's the thing. Don't be alarmed by these, Jesus says. They must happen. <laughs> they must happen. And in spite of them, he says, the end is still to come. The end is still to come. These are signs. Verse 8 then goes on to say, after nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom, that there will be earthquakes in various places and famines, that these are the beginnings of birth pains, these natural disasters. Earthquakes, we've seen the rise of hurricanes and wildfires. Jesus says these things are birth pains. We see famines around the world. They're the result of, Paul says in Romans 8, of a fallen creation crying out for its redemption as his return comes closer. In verses 9, 11, and 13, Jesus says signs of the end times is that persecution will take place. You must be on your guard, he says in verse 9, you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Verse 11 Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial do not worry beforehand about what to say just say whatever is given you at the time for it is not you speaking but the Holy Spirit. In verse 13 all men will hate you because of me but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Persecution is a reality. In January of 2015, the organization Open Doors announced that persecution of Christians around the world had reached historic levels for the modern era. And it is believed that in the last 100 years, that there have been more martyrs for the sake of Christ than of the previous 1,900 years combined. And if we take the words of Jesus seriously, and we take the words of Scripture seriously, this will only increase. In the midst of it all, verse 10 tells us that there will be global gospel access. Global gospel access. Verse 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations, not geopolitical nations, but ethnos, people groups. We're told by the Joshua Project that there are somewhere around 4,000 people groups that have yet to be reached with the gospel of Christ. But even in the last couple decades, that number has shrunk significantly, significantly. That we are in a time that before the return of Christ, the gospel will be preached to all these people groups. And now more than ever, we're in this space where this completing of the task is more and more possible. As gospel access is becoming increasingly available through things like media, through the ability to travel, We are living in a globalized world. You can basically get anywhere in a 24-hour plane trip. Bible translations are being done at historic levels. They're, They're increasing where the scriptures are being translated into the mother tongue of people more and more. We are in an age where gospel access is becoming increasingly available. This is one of the reasons why we want to be ministering with the gospel here in our own community and in our own region, but also sending workers to the ends of the earth. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance, linked this concept to the return of Christ, that we have a role as his people in bringing his return. When the gospel is preached to all nations, then the end will come. And so global gospel access is a sign of the last days, of the return of Christ's coming. And then lastly, in this passage, verse 12, the destruction of the family unit. We see this happening more and more. Brother will betray brother to death and a father, his child, children will rebel against their parents and even have them put to death. Jesus describes this destruction of the family unit. And we're seeing it more and more. As we get closer to the return of Christ, these signs will increase in both presence and, and in intensity. Now here's the temptation that we have is we look at all of this and go, "Oh no, let's run away. Let's go. hope this doesn't get any worse. We go into fear, we go into despair. but Jesus tells us these things so that we might take heart, so that we will not fear, so that we will not despair because it is not the world is out of control. This is the way it will take place as we get closer to his return. And so instead of being, oh no, it's, oh, as we're seeing this, we can take heart. We have to persevere. We have to hold on and we'll see application of this in a moment, but be encouraged. Every day we are getting closer to his return as these things happen. So signs of the end times as we reawaken to the return of Christ. Second lesson is when all of this takes place, as these take place, it's bringing us nearer and nearer to the coming of the Son of Man. It's bringing us nearer and nearer to the coming of the Son of Man. Verses 24 through 26, and I'll read on to 27. It says, but in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light the stars will fall from the sky and heaven and the heavenly bodies will be shaken which is a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 13 verse 10 and verse Isaiah 34:4 At that time when we the, at that time men will see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of The heavens. The Son of Man is coming, the Son of Man Jesus. Now we don't know when, but we know it's near. We don't know when, but we know it's near. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 says, In the midst of living, there's a there were two women in that Paul was Speaking to in this letter, and they were in conflict with one another. And he's speaking to them, but he's speaking to the whole church in Philippi. And he says, "Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near." Now, commentators differ on exactly what Paul is saying. Some say that because the Lord is near, present, let your gentleness be evident to all, and we know that to be a true. Statement: He is near, he's present with us, and so because he's present with us, we want our conduct to be in such a way that we are treating each other well. But there's also more commentators that lean to a different direction, and that when they say the Lord is near, is that the coming of the Lord is near. His return is near. And so because his return is near, it should affect the way that we live. We'll talk about this more in a moment. The day and the hour are not known. And don't waste time listening to the people who say they claim to know when that's going to be. No one knows, Jesus says, not even the angels of heaven, nor he, what the Father has determined. But we know that it is near, it is coming. We know that his return then, we don't know when, we know it's near. But what we do know is that his return is imminent. His return is imminent. In Revelation chapter 22 and verses 12 and 20, Jesus is speaking. He says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon, and this should be our cry. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Eminent means that the return of Christ is certain. It's absolutely going to happen. It means that it is soon. It's coming. And and we know that with the Lord, soon isn't always the way we define soon. (laughs) Because a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. But we know with great confidence that we are living in these days where he is coming. And though we don't know when, we know that it can happen at any time what eminent means it's certain it's soon and it could happen anytime even though we don't know exactly when we also know that when that his return is will be personal and visible it'll be personal and visible in verse 26 again it said at that time men will see the son of men son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory in acts chapter 1 verse 11 Jesus is on the mountain. He's told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then he ascends into heaven. He's with the disciples, and then he ascends into heaven. And as the disciples are standing there going, whoa, what's going on? What just happened? Two angels come, and they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus was with them personally and he was ascending visibly. So we know from the words of Jesus in Mark 13 and from the declaration of the angels that his return will be a personal bodily return in his glorified state and it will be visible to all. And lastly, what we do know is that it will be premillennial. What we mean by that is that there is going to be a thousand year reign of the Lord here on the earth. And his return will come and it will set off and it will start this thousand-year reign, what this theologians call the millennium. His return will be pre-millennial, pre the thousand-year reign of Christ. His return will start it. Revelation 21 to 6, says, John says, and I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, And holding in his hand a great chain, he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, the millennium. And he threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be set free for a short time. And I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the Word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. And this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Jesus will rule and he will reign for a thousand years here on this earth. The return of Christ will initiate that time. When he comes at that time, he will put an end to a seven-year period called the tribulation where Satan will have inhabited a person by, known as the Antichrist to lead the nations astray and to come against the nation, God's people, Israel. And Jesus will come, and he will finally He will destroy all those who have come against, and he will deliver his people. I just want to make one comment. We believe that the return of Christ will be premillennial, premillennial. In the alliance, but we do not hold. And, and a lot of people have varying views on, will Jesus take the church at the beginning of the seven years? It's called a pre-tribulation rapture or a post-tribulation rapture or some other. Those are the two main views. Will Jesus come at the end of the seven years and then initiate it? Or will he take the church out before the beginning of the seven years, and then bring them back to rule and reign with him here on the earth. So we don't take a position on that. I bring all that up for one reason. That no matter how it shakes out, it should push us towards two things. One, it should push us towards mission for all people to hear the gospel. Because if we believe that at any moment... Jesus can come before the seven-year tribulation. We need to be about sharing the gospel so that the nations will hear. So it pushes us towards sharing the gospel here and to the ends of the earth. But on the other side, if Jesus does not take us, we also need to be prepared in perseverance and in godliness for enduring persecution. So either way, I had a professor in in school that said, hope that it's pre-trib so we don't have to go through it. But live and prepare as though it's post-trib. Because there are going to be a lot of upset, disappointed people if we go through the seven years of tribulation. If you've been holding on to, this is the way it absolutely is. We have to prepare as if we're here for the whole thing. And we have to be engaged in mission as if it's at the beginning. So either way, either way. We let you go and know what you believe, why you believe it. But those are the key things that we need to be leaning into. And we'll look at that together. This ultimately then is our blessed hope. And it should propel us to mission. It should propel us to obedience. It should propel us to living in intimacy with him. Because Jesus, the son of man, is coming again. It's our blessed hope. And we can be sure of it. And even as we grieve these days, it's our blessed hope too that this life and the life, death, and resurrection and the return of Christ points to something so much better. So much better. So, what can we do? This is where we want to wrap the, ser- the sermon up this morning. What can we do? We watch. We watch. Verses 33 to 37. Says, be on guard, be alert. Do not, you do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. What is it? Watch. Watch. There's a word in Mark 13 and in 14 that appears 6 times. It's the Greek word gregorao. And gregorao whenever you see something in high frequency in scripture, pay attention. It's not there by chance. It's there on purpose. And so, this word, watch, this word in Greek, gregoreo, it literally means to stay awake. What is translated in many, watch, is literally translated, stay awake, be alert, keep awake. Here's the assumption of why Jesus says this six times in two chapters. The assumption is that it's easier to fall asleep than to stay awake. The disciples are told in chapter 14 in the Garden of Gethsemane, while Jesus is off praying, he says, watch and pray. And every time he comes back, what are they doing? Sleeping. Because the assumption that Jesus has is, knowing us in our frailty and our humanness is that it is easier to fall asleep than it is to stay awake. And so the question that we have to wrestle with and the action step from all of this is, are you awake? Are you alert? Are you ready? A couple years ago, we got these amazing couches. I think... If you've been around for a while, you may have heard me talk about these couches. Were are couches that we decided we're going to get because they're big and as boys grow, we're going to be able to fit our family and they're going to be able to fit on this, these things. So we got this couch and, and it has accomplished its purpose great, greatly, but it is also a great nemesis to me. Because at the end of a day, You want to just chill out and relax for a few minutes, right? So on these amazingly large, comfortable couches, sit down to be able to relax at the end of the day. And it takes, you can ask my my family, it takes almost next to nothing for me to be gone, asleep, asleep. Why? Because when you get comfortable, it is very easy to fall asleep. So, if I'm going to make sure that I don't fall asleep on the couch, I have to get up regularly. I have to move around. I have to stay active. I have to engage in a conversation with people in the room. I have to get some kind of light snack, even though it's evening. I have to do something to keep myself awake. Because if I'm just going to sit on the couch, forget about it, I am gone. And this is what Jesus is saying, because this principle in the physical applies so much to the spiritual. That if we get comfortable spiritually, we will fall asleep. It's easy to get in the same comfortable, familiar routines of life spiritually and lose our passion or fall asleep. And Jesus is saying, stay awake, watch, be alert. Be connected to other believers. That'll help you to not fall asleep. It'll help you to watch. Engage in serving the body of Christ. It'll help you to stay awake, to stay alert, watching for his return. Engage in mission. When you see the lostness of people and you step out and you have to have the Holy Spirit show up, it will keep you engaged. It will keep you alert. It will keep you awake, watching and being ready for his return. Above all else, I think the greatest thing that we can do is what Jesus told his disciples, watch in the garden, watch and pray. In Luke chapter 18, we'll wrap up with this. In Luke chapter 18, the first eight verses, he tells us a parable of the persistent widow. And he tells them this parable, it says, so that they would pray and not give up. He tells of an unjust judge and of a widow who needed justice. And every day this widow would come and would plead her case before this judge, who Jesus makes very clear, doesn't care about anybody but himself. And he This woman, though, day after day, this man does, this judge does not care about her. But day after day, she comes and she pleads for justice, pleads for her need to be met. And finally, one day, he's like, the only way I'm going to get this woman from stopping to show up is to just give her what she wants. And he answers her request. And Jesus says, God is not like that unjust judge. God is good. God wants to hear from you. God is listening. God is not put off when you keep showing up. In fact, he loves it. And so he says, Jesus says, if your father, who is not like that judge, if that judge will give justice, just stop wearing them down, how much more will your father love to hear from you and welcomes you? Pray, don't give up. And then Jesus ends the parable with this kind of seems out of place statement. He says, however, when the son of man comes, when I come, he says, will he find faith on the earth? So this is about his return. And he's saying, will he find men and women, and young men and young women, and teenagers and children who are watching and engaging, alert, awake, ready in prayer? Are you going to be in relationships with people? Are you going to be serving? Are you going to be in mission? Are you going to be to all those things? But above all, are you watching for his return? And are you praying? Because if you are praying, and least this isn't perfunctory prayers. This is not just praying a list over and over. Lists can help us remember what we need to pray for. But this is not just going through rote prayers and routines. This is spirit engaged. This is passionately engaged, seeking the face of the Father, interceding for what he is doing in the lives of people around you and in the world. And for what is on your heart that he has placed it. This is, this is the kind of prayer that Jesus was doing. He was sweating blood in the garden. This is engaging. If you are engaging in prayer, it is impossible to fall asleep, it is impossible to miss his return. So he says, stay awake, stay alert, watch, and pray. And so at the end of this, we still got a couple days of 40 days of prayer. But at the end of this, the temptation can be, oh, we did our 40 days of prayer. All right, what's next? 40 days of prayer is a great way to, as a church family, join with our denomination in, in a focused way to start. But it should be also what we do on day 41 of 2022. And on day... 60, and on day 120, and on day number 153, and on and on and on to 365 until we get to 23, if the Lord, however it goes. But we be a people of prayer who watch, who pray, who are alert. We will be ready. We will be ready for his return if we are people who are hungering after his presence, who are seeking his face in prayer, who are interceding for the things that are on the heart of the Father knowing that he is good and he welcomes us in. And if we are around for seven years of tribulation, we are absolutely going to need a prayer life like that. And so lean into it, lean into it, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Worship team's gonna come and just lead us in a closing song. So we wait, we wait for you. And may it be our declaration, even so come, even so come, Lord Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the glorious, blessed hope that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And if he has gone to prepare a place for us, he will return so that we will be with him. Thank you, Father, that your desire, even as we sang this morning, reminding ourselves of these good things, is that the dwelling of God will be with man again. And so we say, Lord Jesus, even so come. Come quickly. And until that day, may we be people who are wide awake. May we not be like me on the couch. (laughs) but wide awake, spiritually, hungering, thirsting, watching, waiting. Increase our hunger, increase our alertness, increase our awakening. We've been praying that you would reawaken us. May prayer not end on day 40 of the 40 days of prayer, but may it be a catalyst to deepen our prayer life and our love for prayer, our love for your presence, our love for seeking your face and interceding throughout this year and beyond. We thank you for the glorious, blessed hope that you came, Jesus, our coming again. In life and in death, we look for your return. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.